Hello there and welcome into this edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This edition of The Intersection features coverage of the recent Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware. Linda Evans-Shepard was one of the speakers. She also leads the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, which recently presented the Golden Scroll Awards and the all-new Christian Market Book Awards. Highlights from a recent conversation are coming up. Then you'll be hearing from Robin Luftig. After being diagnosed with a brain tumor, she was told to get her affairs in order 10 days before surgery. She recounts how she discovered God's faithfulness as she stared down the possibility of death. Also, Patty Garibay is the founder of a Christ-centered organization called American Heritage Girls, and she related to me about how God worked in her life prior to the time that she was led to start that organization. Some of her comments are ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's Rosalinda Rivera. She assists her father, Victor Torres, in the ministry New Life for Youth, and she is involved in media work. In our conversation at the CPE show, she related about how God has directed her life and shared her heart for the church to communicate God's truth. And you'll be hearing some comments from Ricardo Baden, who made the transition several years ago from Air Force officer to church staff member and has some observations about leadership in the church, emphasizing how all God's people are called to be leaders and how the Bible offers distinct principles for demonstrating leadership. Then from Focus on the Family, Danny Huerta provides encouragement for parents as they attempt to navigate some of the challenges of raising children, a topic that has been made even more challenging in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Finally, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the CPE Fall 2020 show in Delaware with Kevin Wayne Johnson, offering principles regarding the importance of servanthood in being a leader according to the model of Christ. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Linda Evans-Shepard is founder of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association and was recently a featured speaker at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware. She spoke with me recently and shared about the virtual AWSA Golden Scroll Awards and Christian Market Book Awards and the importance of authors fellowshipping and networking together. From a recent conversation, this is Linda Evans-Shepard. Well, AWSA started 20 years ago. We are celebrating our 20th anniversary. And it started um, with me just hearing the Lord whisper to my heart to connect with the Christian women authors in an online loop, and I did. And I figured as a busy author and speaker, I didn't really have much time to do more than that, but the Lord gave me assignments every day for years until it grew into an organization of 600 women who are Christian uh, speakers and authors. And we develop leadership skills for them and we train them. But the heart of our organization is our love for the Lord and our love for one another. We have an amazing sisterhood and we just finished our 12, I guess it would be more like our 19th annual conference just over the weekend, the past weekend. And it was amazing. And even though we had to go virtual, I want you to know the love was still there and we had an amazing time together. So what do you see as the benefit for an author to be part of the AWSA? 
Well, you know, I think that a lot of Christian authors are people that God has tapped and whispered to write a book. And so a lot of them are starting from scratch. They don't really know what to do. They're not connected with people in publishing, or maybe they are, maybe they've been at it, but they're alone. And to be able to link arms with people who will pray for you. We have a lot of small virtual groups like mastermind groups and other things to keep connecting people. And you can go in and ask your questions. You can tell them your prayer need, you can get advice and you can get training. I mean, for example, the social media question is a huge question for authors because here we're trying to spend our time writing and now we have to figure out, well, how do we reach people about our books? And how do we, how do we stay connected to people online about our books? So it's an amazing thing to, to have that support and that connection. And there are other groups out there as well. But my favorite, of course, is AWSA. All right, the Golden Scroll Awards. Let's talk about some of the winners. Of course, there are a number of different categories. You do have a book of the year in the Golden Scroll Awards. Tell us about that, if you would. Yes, we do. And oh my goodness, it went to Dr. Michelle Bingston. She has been through a tremendous battle with her health and her family's health. And she wrote a book called Breaking Anxiety's Grip, How to Reclaim the Peace God Promises. And we tapped that for our book of the year. The Christian Market Book Awards are, as you might say, for for the, the totality, the, the, the breadth yes. of Christian Open publishing, all- if you will. The Christian Market Book of the Year, her name is Luann Meyer and Patty Richter for their book, Signs of His Presence, Experiencing God's Comfort in Times of Suffering. What a great book for now. It's about how her husband, uh, her his boss had committed some sort of um, crime in, in the business world and he, got, and he was the fall guy. They mm. lost everything. He had to go to prison, and this is her journey of going through this deep period of suffering, and it's a beautiful book and a great book for such a time as this. Linda Evans-Shepard here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to awsa.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection, it's the author of the book, God's Best During Your Worst, Living Under His Umbrella, Robin Luftig at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware. She shared about how God worked in her life in the face of a potentially deadly brain tumor. Here now from that conversation is Robin Luftig. So as you began to walk through that period, what an instructive lesson for people as we think, what if you knew that you only had 10 days to live? How would you live your life? Absolutely, and because it was such a gift because no days are promised. Yeah. But for some reason, God gave me a picture for 10 days. So I was given 10 days. So I used those 10 days to seek God's face through prayer, through scripture. And were you afraid at any point during this, as you received the diagnosis and started to walk through what you thought were your final days on earth? You know, I wasn't. In fact, when I wrote this book, 
I was shocked that I never addressed fear. I, I brushed mm. against it at one point, but I never addressed it because one, I didn't have time, 10 days. You don't have time to be afraid. You have things to do. But f fear is so fleeting and it's not, it's not the core issue. Was it my trust, my lack of trust, my lack of faith that caused the fear? What was, why don't I just go to the source of the issue and not just the, the fear itself? So, Robin, at what point did you start to recognize that even though the medical professionals had given you 10 days, you really were beginning to sense that God wasn't quite finished with you yet? At what point did you, did you come to that conclusion? Honestly, when I woke up after surgery, because mm. at, on day nine, I had come up to the point where I was okay with God's, I, I trusted God so completely that if my passing was to benefit my ministry, my children, in the long term, of course, not short term, but to impress on others, to build up the kingdom more, then that's, I was okay with that. I could deal with that and I could accept that willingly. I wasn't volunteering, yep. but I was okay with it. Yeah. So as you walked through this time, what did you begin to think about with respect to just facing death? Because you have, I think it's a very healthy thing for us as mm -hmm. believers to recognize that. To, of course, number one, know where we're going right. when we die, but also to recognize that our time on earth is temporary. We're not promised not tomorrow. Promised. So what, what did you learn and write about with respect to the topic of death? Well, we all have a purpose, and that purpose is destined. It doesn't change, and when we make mistakes in our lives, we think we've destroyed everything that God has ever wanted to give us. But to think like that makes us bigger than God because his plans are, are perfect from the beginning. Now, we might have to take a detour. We might have to work differently than what we anticipated, but our purpose is still our purpose. Robin Loftig joining me today here at the Christian Product Expo, the CPE show in Wilmington, Delaware. This is the Meeting House on Faith Radio. Well, Robin, in the book, God's Best During Your Worst, you talked about your, your morning prayers and, and how you really came before the Lord at the beginning of your, your 10 days and began yes. to, to follow through with that. Tell me about your time with the Lord during that that season as you thought that your your time on earth was drawing to a close i had hours you know i could count on i could count the, the number of hours that i had been given by the doctors to work with this so i didn't have time to light pedal it and i was very transparent with god i was very harsh maybe some people might think because i said are you there do you care do you ever do you even see me what is the, what's going on? I don't, do you love me? I ask those hard questions that we all really, I think, want to know, but sometimes they're afraid to ask. I didn't have time to be afraid. Robin Luftig here on The Intersection. You can find her online at robinluftig, L-U-F-T-I-G dot com. 
Next, it's Patty Garibay, the founder and executive director of American Heritage Girls, a Christ-centered girls organization. At the CPE Fall Show, she shared comments about her book entitled, Why Curse to Darkness When You Can Light a Candle. Here now from that conversation is Patty Garibay. It's sheer alignment with biblical alignment. values. Like and that. That, that is critical. You know, when you can provide a framework for raising up your kids in any way you want, and it's your decision as a parent, is it going to be secular or is it going to be aligned with my faith? And, and my prayer is for all Christian parents to take this very seriously. This is not just picking your extracurriculars for your kids is just as important as picking the curriculum for your kids. And so you got to really think about that. And I believe that we'll have to answer for all those decisions we've made as parents. And so um, American Heritage Girls is to provide that. We come alongside the local church. And the local church actually owns this program. They're able to use it as an outreach um, for their, their kids in their church and those that aren't in their church, those they want to bring in. And I've yet to find one pastor who does not want new families, young families, and more members in their congregation. And American Heritage Girls, along with the newly founded Trail Life USA, um, is a great bookend program for us to have family ministry. Well, Patty, let me ask you this, and we're going to spend the balance of our time after your answer to this question talking about this new book that you've written. But when you talk about extracurricular activities, well, those type of activities have, well, kind of taken a backseat to something called uh, the coronavirus. (laughs) Yes. So how has American Heritage Girls actually been able to sustain (laughs) its activities and its participation in an age of COVID. Oh, man. We've become the queen of the pivot, if you know what I mean. Queen of the pivot. <laughs> yes. So what our volunteers have been doing is just incredible work of being creative on how to still build community, because that's really what American Heritage Girl Troops are. They're a community. And do that virtually. So, of course, some of the meetings are done via virtually, Zoom or whatever they're using. But also, they're communicating and they're writing. They're doing old-fashioned handwriting letters to one another, which I think is a lost art, which is a beautiful thing. And they're encouraging um, the troops to continue to wait this out. And it's really exciting to see the troops in various areas of the country are now starting to be able to assemble together. They may be meeting outside, Um, but it's still happening. It's been a challenge, and American Heritage Girls is not exempt from feeling the pain of COVID financially. Um, Certainly, you know, seeing registration numbers drop and so forth, but we are faith filled people and we know Mm. that God will let this thing boomerang back and it's coming. Patty Garibay, founder and executive director of American Heritage Girls. Joining me here, this is The Meeting House on Faith Radio, the Christian Product Expo in Delaware. Well, Patty, you've written this book. It's called Why Curse the Darkness When You Can Light a Candle and You've been doing the American Heritage Girls is celebrating its 25th That's anniversary. Right. So you've been doing this a while. <laughs> yes, I have. And you've been very busy. Mm-hmm. And you were sharing with me earlier that this COVID crisis has actually given you the opportunity, given you some time where you can't actually write a book That's or at right. least put the finishing touches yes. on a book, which is this something you've been wanting to do for a while? It's something really... Bob, I, I don't think, just like founding American Heritage Girls, I didn't really want to. It wasn't in my heart's desire, but the Lord called upon me to do this. He, Psalm 78, 6 through 7, so that the next generation will know the glory of God. It would needed to be written down. It needed to be written down. And we were very, my husband and I were very concerned that 
any of the history of American Heritage Girls could potentially be lost if it wasn't written down. And so we actually decided we were offered a publishing agreement by one of the big, big names and um, decided not to do that. We felt it was important that nothing be changed um, for this first book. And so we went ahead and we did a um, hybrid publishing. I knew that this would be a, a vulnerable work. Okay. It's an autobiography. Um, and I'm very vulnerable in it. And I am probably the last person you would think that would be leading a girl's ministry. Um, the Lord has done an amazing work in my life and, um, to bring me through, um, a childhood raised by a disabled father who was chronically ill with multiple sclerosis and an alcoholic mom and all that could fall apart, fell apart in my, in my family. And so I believe that was all part of this plan is to give me a fire in my belly for a girlhood for other girls that could be celebrated and to know how much God loves them and to know their identity in Christ, as you mentioned earlier. And that's what this book is about. It is about God calling though un the unequipped and equipping them along the journey. Patty Garibay here on The Intersection. The book's website is whycursethedarkness.com. The organization website is AmericanHeritageGirls.org. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through MeetingHouseOnline.info or by visiting the programming section at FaithRadio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast is also available through the Media Center as well as iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. Also, through the Meeting House homepage, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Rosalinda Rivera. She is co-executive director of the ministry New Life for Youth and associate producer of the movie called Victor, which portrays her father's life and ministry. She visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the CPE Fall Show in Delaware to discuss the ministry and her involvement in communicating God's truth. From that conversation, this is Rosalinda Rivera now. Watching uh, my parents doing ministry, um, I got to tell you, I'm that pastor's kid that I didn't run away from ministry. My dad and mom made ministry so cool for us, and they also <laughs> let us always be involved. So we didn't like hate going to church. We didn't hate going to our outreach. Um, but, you know, mom and dad began to reach these broken people and I got to see their lives change and something happened in my own heart, Bob. And I got this calling that it was like this thirst and hunger to reach out to people that it just can't be quenched. And so I started from passing out tracks in the, in the um, streets with my mom and dad to singing in churches, singing a little bit on TV and radio, um, to um, ministering alongside them. And my husband pastors in the church there with us and, and I get to help him along uh, with that. But you know what? 
God did something in me that just can't be turned off is when you get to tell somebody that Jesus is Lord, when they are so broken, and I'm not talking about just the people that have been in addiction. I'm talking about there are bankers and lawyers. Last night, uh, somebody that's running for governor gave me a call. She ran into a place and a young girl was hurting. She goes, I know the right person and put me on speakerphone <laughs> with her. When you reach somebody for the Lord, when you tell them that their life doesn't have to be like this, that it can change and there's hope and there's power in that, there is no greater high in the world than when you can be the person to tell them about Jesus. And that's what I've been doing. New Life for Youth, we have uh, 100 beds for men and women in addiction. They come from all over the United States and they live with us for an entire year. We have a home called the Mercy House for Women. Um, we have a place called Mercy Moms that I ended up starting uh, five years ago. We are 50, I'm not 50, but the ministry is 50 years old this coming up January. Wow, We've congratulations. Seen, thank you so much. We've seen 20,000 people come through our program and have their lives completely changed. That is outstanding, and that is called New Life for yeah. Youth. What would you say would be the, the essence of the program as far as what's contributing to this change that you're seeing? Well, and, and if you're interested, if you have somebody, a husband, a wife, a kid, you just don't know what to do. You know, my dad, by the way, i got to say this. This has been such a great tool. He wrote a book uh, called Reaching Your Addicted Loved One. It is a handbook. We all worked as a team to put that together. And uh, if you need help, if you're listening to me, your heart is just moved because you have a young person. Um, that's a great tool that you can use. But uh, the essence of our program, first of all, we're a 12-month program. Um, first of all, we believe that when they surrender to the Lord, their life is going to be changed. But what sets us apart is that we are a vocational training location. Uh, we actually have five businesses that we have, a car wash, a thrift store. We have an auto center. We do uh, building. And we also have printing. And so they actually get to learn these trades. So when they come out of there, we have 100% hiring. Every guy and girl is offered a job when they come out of this program. Um, during the day, you wake up early and you have prayer. You learn how to read the Bible and you build a relationship with Jesus. But we really pound trading your drugs for an education. And that has been the staying power. That's why people come out lives transform, hearts change forever. I love it. It never gets old when you hear a broken life come together with the Lord. Rosalinda Rivera joining us today, the meeting house at CPE, the fall show 2020 in Delaware. Rosalinda, as we conclude our conversation, as you mentioned earlier, you've written some books. One of those is called The Seductive Slayers of Success. Why do you believe that, or, or what do you believe contributes to why God's people are held back from what he has in store for them. You know, I, I just like Eve in the garden, we just get distracted from things so quickly and so easily. And so this book is a passion for me because I've been somewhat of a life coach, you know, for a long time in ministry. Uh, 30 years I've been in ministry since I was a, right out of high school. And you have so many great ideas, so many immediate impulsive ideas, but then we just fail and don't follow through. This is a, the first chapter is called Stop Hitting the Snooze Button. Look, if we're going to get it done, you got to put that across the room, stick it by your tennis shoes, make sure you get up and go walking, eating healthy. Um, it talks about dating. 
it talks about when you're married, you know, you're married and you just give up on your marriage. How can we pump life right back in that? God healed my marriage in our first four years. I've been married 25 years to the same wonderful man of God, so in love with him, but we went through a trial. And so this book goes through that. There's a chapter called Fronting Your Finances because somehow we think we got to keep up with the world. So this is a in your face. You got to hear it. Shake your life up um, and tell you how to change certain things in your life. Rosalinda Rivera here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website rosalinda.live. Continuing now with this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's retired U.S. Air Force officer and current chief of staff for a church in the Washington, D.C. area, Ricardo Baden, at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Delaware, related the inspiration for and principles from his book, Leadership in the Age of Narcissism, God's Blueprint for Christian Leaders. Here now from that conversation is Ricardo Baden. One of the things that I was taught from ROTC when I was back in college is that they said that officers live in a glass house. Same thing for ministry leaders, you know, because people actually put, not that it's a good thing, but people look at you in a certain way and tend to put you on a pedestal. So they actually look into your life all the time. So when I was learning the ministry side of things, I was like, oh, this is just like being an Air Force officer. Uh, you know, when they when they see you in ministry, they expect you to serve, 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 serve. Well, in the military, that's what you do is serve, 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 serve. As a matter of fact, one of the Air Force's uh, core values is service before self and excellence in all we do. Same demands and same constraints uh, are thrusted upon you in ministry, especially when you want to do great things for Christ. So what was the biggest challenge for you as an Air Force officer? Biggest challenge for me was constantly adjusting to the new environments that I was being thrusted upon. So whether it's a deployment, meeting a new team that you have to immediately develop and immediately start producing whatever the commander requires you to do. So going from place to place, deployment to deployment, because for 15 years, I was pretty much moving every two years, two and a half years. So that's a lot of moving, that's a lot of deployments, that's a lot of adjusting to new environments, new people all the time, and you have to produce. And that's what the, one thing that the military makes you do is you have to produce. So you, you leave the military right. and you go into ministry. Now, was that something that was on your radar at the time <laughs> as far as what life would be for you after the Air Force? Not so much. I mean, I knew ministry was down the line and I really thought it was down the line in years to come. And I didn't know what to in what exact way that would happen. But so I just figured I'll just do this ministry thing for a little bit while I look for another job that I personally really wanted. And I realized that that wasn't the call of the Lord on my life and that I should stay in ministry at least for this time. So tell me about the inspiration. The book is Leadership in the Age of Narcissism. Right. Well, the inspiration for this book is kind of a manifold. One of the inspirations that for this book is I despise when people actually try to bring corporate leadership to the church. I despise the fact that when people say, well, this is leadership that the church should be using. And when I mean the church, I, mean, I don't just mean the proverbial four-walled church. I'm talking about Christians. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, some principles that you use in corporate America is good for you to use in your life and in church organizations. But I kind of find it offensive that you're trying to teach us leadership and it's not biblical leadership. 
So I was so passionate to write about this book because I wanted to actually give somebody a template of what biblical leadership is and looks like as opposed to just taking corporate leadership from the secular world, slapping mm. a cross on it and a fish and saying, here, church, use this. No, 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 no. The, the standard is the word of God, and you should be able to take principles from God's word and use it in corporate America and use it on your job outside. But I wanted to make sure that there's a clear separation between the two. Dr. Ricardo Bodden joining me today here on the Beating House on Faith Radio here at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 in Wilmington, Delaware. All right, I want to ask you about what you were just saying a few minutes ago mm-hmm. about worldly leadership principles coming into the church. You are, again, to underline it, you're not fine with that. You're, that's not an okay thing in your estimation to right. bring worldly leadership principles into the church. Right. But you're okay with bringing biblical leadership principles into the worldly corporate environment. Absolutely. And that's based upon Scripture, yeah. as every uh, biblically-based leader should, should know. When you talk about the Great Commission, where the Lord said to his disciples, us, the trained ones, the ones who are following him, he said, hey, I want to make sure that you understand you're supposed to train disciples. You're supposed to go into disciple nations. So when you hear that word disciple nations, disciples mean you're supposed to create trained ones, pupils, students. So whether you're talking about mentoring somebody, coaching somebody, inferring leadership is what is in that 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 text right there. And then when you talk about disciples, it means an individual to a people group. So the church's responsibility is to disciple nations. That means we're supposed to have an influence to infect culture, change people's lives outside the four walls of the church. So that's the reason why I believe the arrow from a biblical perspective goes one way. And don't get me wrong, there's certain principles that you can use in corporate America, like certain software systems that may help you on the inside. So I want to be practical. But yeah. uh, but as a whole, if you're a Christian, you should be living your life by biblical principles and not just by secular leadership theory. Ricardo Bodden here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website, Bodden, B-O-D-D-E-N, Leads. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Daniel Huerta, Vice President of Parenting and Youth for Focus on the Family. In our recent conversation, he discussed material based on his book called Seven Traits of Effective Parenting and highlighted several of the traits. Here now with some material from that conversation is Danny Huerta. Yeah, a long time ago, I was in in graduate school in the late 90s. And uh, started to think about wanting to, to, to publish, write a, a parenting book, just seeing how parents have a huge influence on the development of their children, really one of the most important relationships. And then I decided I need to be a parent first. And now I have a 17 and a 15-year-old, and I was thinking about what are some of the, what, what are some of the needs for parents in such a high-paced society, and what does the research say is effective in parenting? And Consistently, research points to uh, these seven traits uh, as as traits that can be can influence a child's development and and life. And biblically speaking, Deuteronomy six, and if you look, re- read Paul's letters, uh, you can see these seven traits throughout that. And uh, what what I what I've also seen in research is that uh, it consistently says a high level of sensitivity and warmth. And then a high level of demandingness and boundaries, you know, that having some limits for kids, the high levels of both of those, a balance of those is the ideal in a home for a child to develop in an optimal way. And the ultimate goal for these seven traits is to create contributors in God's kingdom rather than consumers. 
kids that see their purpose, their identity, and learn how to contribute instead of consume, which is the message they get consistently all the mm-hmm. time. And parenting is all about an invitation, Bob, and that's what we'll be talking about right now. What, what is that invitation we get as parents as, uh, as we dig into these seven traits? Very good. Well, let's let's run down. I'll, I'll just ask you to give a, a list and maybe just a very brief summary of each of these seven, and then we'll dig a little bit deeper on some of those. Okay, yeah. The first one that I love parents uh, to go into is, is adaptability, and it's where we find ourselves right now, adapting the flexibility of mind to enter the world of our child and, and what is happening in their emotions and their mind and beginning to adapt and respond to that instead of react. And then the second one is respect. Respect is about how we manage ourselves, how we speak, uh, how we use our eyes, our hands, our ears. Do we listen? Do we attentively listen to what's going on in our children? And we get to model that and create a culture of respect. And then the next one is intentionality, having a plan. You know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this parenting thing? What's the purpose of it? Because God designed it and designed it with purpose, and we get to play a main role in our child's development. So it's all it's it's that intentional, those intentional moments, and paying attention to those, and then that leads to love, steadfast love, and that's much more than just provision. It's leading them through a process towards an identity as a child of of God, and that means loving them in the moments when they're most unlovable, and sticking with our children when they don't do exactly what we want them to do and uh it's about having having patience with that and then boundaries boundaries is probably the toughest one for parents especially when you have two different opinions between mom and dad different perspectives the the demands of time and not being able to be consistent with some of those boundaries and they're so so important uh, for kids to learn that boundaries mean freedom instead of uh, being inconvenient and then grace and forgiveness man what a necessary Mm. trait within the home where we have grace on ourselves we're not going to be perfect in our parenting that's why we have sunrises and sunsets Uh, we get to start brand new each day and it's about modeling forgiving one another because that's the ministry of christ right learning how to forgive one another it gives a reset but it also provides emotional and spiritual safety for the home and then gratitude that's about reset of the mind and being able to see through god's eyes what you've got rather than what you've lost not getting stuck in inconveniences but really looking for opportunities when you're invited into parenting so that's the seven and and uh, what we hope is that parents will begin with an assessment on our website and that's through focus on the slash the the number seven and then traits and you can begin with an assessment to see where you're at and then videos and articles there that you can dig into and of course if you want to go into the book you can dig even deeper into the seven danny huerta here on the intersection you can find out more at focusonthefamily.com front slash seven traits more from the fall 2020 christian product expo in wilmington delaware now Kevin Wayne Johnson of Writing for the Lord Ministries visited with me and discussed principles related to his book, Leadership with a Servant's Heart, Leading Through Personal Relationships. From that conversation, this is Kevin Wayne Johnson. We have these conversations all the time, and we already know that, hmm, where this conversation is going, I'm really not interested. 
but just hear them out and don't interrupt and don't change the subject and they'll walk away feeling much better. So how does one perfect or begin to perfect the art of being a good listener? Well, it's a combination of a lot of different things. I would say number one would be eye-to-eye contact because you're sending a message to the recipient that I'm paying attention to what you have to say. You're also sending them the message that I value what you have to say. At some point, we can walk away agreeing to disagree and maintain the relationship. So that's very, very key. Also, another thing that many people don't realize, Bob, is that we listen at a rate that's different than the rate in which we talk. So we only talk at about 180 words a minute, but we're listening at about 350 words a minute. So that oftentimes creates a disconnect because I am already ahead of where you are because I think I know where you're going and I tune you out. And when that happens, the other person walks away feeling kind of small. Isn't that kind of a James chapter one principle? Maybe that's what he had in mind when he was talking about being quick to listen and slow to speak. Maybe you're kind of trying to equalize these things. We are. (laughs) We are. And again, what's causing a lot of confusion in our world is that people don't really understand that basic philosophy of communication. And what happens is now it leads to conflict. It leads to broken relationships. But if we would just take the time to just learn, leaders are learners, Uh, and to get better in these areas, what happens is we'll just end up making this whole world a much better place because we'll have that many more better leaders. I like what you said earlier about leaders don't lead things. Leaders lead people. How does one, if he or she has that mindset of managing, or leaders manage things and and but leaders really are, are leading people. So if someone has that mindset of, as you put it, of managing people rather than the things or the systems they're supposed to be managing, how does one change his or her mindset? Well, um, the, the, the first thing I think about is for those of us that learn these principles and strategies is to get busy and start teaching others because we can't assume that people know. We know a lot of people, Bob, who are in leadership positions because they were placed there. They didn't volunteer to go there. And so they're not equipped with the right training. And when you start to manage people, uh, they feel micromanaged. They feel like you don't trust them. Uh, So we need to prepare them in order to lead people because there's a difference between the two. Kevin Wayne Johnson joining us today, writing for the Lord Ministries here at the Christian Product Expo in Wilmington, Delaware. Well, the book is called Leadership with a Servant's Heart. Mm -hmm. And I think about what Jesus had to say about the Son of Man not coming to be served, but to serve Serve. and give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, we look at the life of Jesus and he demonstrated for us servant leadership. So when you talk about leadership with a servant's heart, I mean, to be very simplistic, you're looking at the examples of Jesus, how he led, how he dealt with people. Mm -hmm. So what can we pick up from his example. What are some specifics that Jesus did that demonstrate this whole servant leadership thing? If you just take a look at any of the 30 plus parables where Jesus is sharing a story with us, you could just pick any of them. You'll see time after time after time where he's actually serving and not interested necessarily in being served. That That's the big example right there. I mean, I, I can't think of a better one. You can, you can handpick any of them. All of the scripture is pretty filled with a lot of great leadership principles and strategies. 
But there's very few people in the marketplace that actually give Bi- the Bible the credit <laughs> for where these leadership principles come from. It's almost as if they invented it themselves. But time after time after time, whether it's Jesus approaching the woman, the Samaritan woman, whether it's Jesus giving the, the example uh, of the uh, the person that the, the priest walked by um, and, and fell in the ditch and, and, and was robbed and gave the example of how uh, we gave personal attention to him and took him to an inn and took care of him. I mean, time after time after time, you see these examples of being a servant. And quite frankly, I believe every last one of us were born into the earth so that we would serve others. That's where the true fulfillment in life comes when you serve other people. Kevin Wayne Johnson here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website, kevinwaynejohnson.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. You can find the podcast in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And the other is The Three, featuring three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content coming soon. Content from the CPE Fall Show in Wilmington, Delaware. That is through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.